Today I'm going to read our scripture from this pulpit, and our scripture today comes from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 19 through 24. We're continuing our sermon series on uh, hymns of our faith, and today our reading comes from Lamentations. But before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your Spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Lamentations chapter 3, beginning with verse 19. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When I was a child, we had lots of different rules that we had to live by. Rules probably that you're familiar with too. Rules like make sure you get your homework done on time before you go outside and play. Or rules like make sure you get your chores done, feed the dog before you go out and play. Or make sure you go to church on time. All of those rules that we had to live by. But there was one rule that superseded all of those other rules, and that rule was, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Or as my dad would say, don't do anything to upset your mother. Now, my mom's a pretty tough lady, but from time to time, we did upset her. She was tough. She had to be tough to deal with my brother and myself, and and actually my dad, too. We had three boys in the house. But every now and then, as tough as she was, we did upset her, and she would start to cry. And in those moments, my brother and I would go into emergency lockdown mode. We would try to figure out what we had done wrong, how we could fix the problem, how we could go and apologize to her and smooth things over before my dad came home from work and had to enforce rule number one. But I do remember one time, one time when I was about probably six years old, I had been outside playing, and I came inside and I saw my mom sitting on the couch and she was crying. Of course, panic went through my heart. I wondered what in the world I had done, and I threw my arms around her. I apologized to her. I didn't know what had happened, but she said, son, you haven't done anything wrong, and I asked her if people were hurting around us or someone was in trouble, and she said, no, everything's fine, and I tried to ask her several more questions, more compassionate questions that were running around in my little six-year-old brain, but finally she just stopped me and said, no, no, son, sometimes, sometimes, I just need to have a good cry. Well, when she told me that, I started to cry too. But maybe you felt like that sometimes. Maybe we all feel like that sometimes. Maybe you've felt like that recently or sometime in your past when life has just been so overwhelming, when there's just been so much going on, when prayers have not been answered the way you've wanted them to be, or when you just feel despair and the only thing that you can do is just cry is just sing the blues and pray and hope that those tears become prayers to God. Well, if you've ever felt that way, I want you to know you're not alone. Because in fact, the book of Lamentations in the Bible is all about those kind of prayers, those prayers of tears, those prayers of mourning, those prayers of grief. 
The book of Lamentations was actually written in response to the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonian Empire. It was written by a poet in response to the grief and the mourning and the despair of the people of Israel. But it wasn't written just to be read one time in response to one event. It was actually written so that it could be recited again and again by the people of God any time that they were hurting. If you go back and you look at the original Hebrew, the first four chapters were written as acrostics. That means that each stanza of the poem was written, it began with a letter of the alphabet, and that probably symbolized the the completeness of their grief from A to Z, but it also gave them an opportunity to learn the poems, to memorize the poems, and to recite them again and again when they were hurting. But oddly enough, as as much as the poet wanted us to recite them again and again, I haven't preached too many times on the book of Lamentations. And the reason why is because wimpy pastors like me prefer those passages where God swoops in, where God saves the day, where God performs some sort of miracle and proves God's faithfulness. But that's not what happens in Lamentations. In Lamentations, the voice of God never enters in. It's just the voice of the poet, speaking for all those people who are hurting, crying out to God. And yet, in the midst of these tears, in the midst of this lament, in the midst of this darkness, we get this passage of pure hope, this passage that reminds us of the enduring faithfulness of God. It's not in response to God's voice, it's not in response to God's action, but the poet cries out once again and remembers the covenant of God, the enduring faithfulness. God's steadfast love endures forever. His mercies never fail. Great is thy faithfulness. Those are the words I read in the passage this morning, and those are the words that inspired the hymn that is inspiring our worship this morning, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But just like that passage, that hymn was not in response to any great miracle of God. The author, Thomas Chisholm, who grew up in Kentucky back in the 1860s and 1870s. He actually grew up as a poor child. He grew up in a log cabin. He didn't have very much. And in fact, he was ill and faced illnesses most of his life. He did, when he was 16 years old, he lived in such a small town that he became the teacher at the local school. And he he loved to read and write, but eventually he tried to be a a journalist major and and go on and, and work at a paper, but eventually he received that call from God to be a minister. And he became a minister in the Methodist Church. And just like John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, he liked to write poems in response to the scripture that he read, to the sermons that he preached. And he was reading the book of Lamentations, this passage in Lamentations, and and wrote down those words that we sing and we know so well. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hands hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. But when he was asked at the end of his ministry how those words were inspired in his brain, where those words came from, he affirmed that they didn't come from any one particular event or one particular miracle from God. In fact, they really just came from that ultimate promise, that covenant promise. He said, I've been poor all my life, I've been sickly all my life, but I also am a disciple And my calling as a disciple is to continue to proclaim the covenant God, the God who keeps God's promises day after day, season after season, morning after morning. 
those little mercies that we see. We all need that reminder sometimes in our lives, especially in dark and, and dreary days. We need that reminder that God is still with us even when we can't quite see God at work. And I'm thankful to say I got one of those reminders just a couple of weeks ago. Julianne and I were watching the One World concert on TV. Maybe some of you got to watch it too. They were musicians and artists who had gathered together and they were sharing their gifts and talents just to try to bring some joy to the world. And also they were raising money to help fight the COVID virus. And in the midst of all of those artists, they were interviewing some frontline workers, some hospital workers, some doctors and nurses. And they interviewed one particular doctor who really inspired me. Her name was Dr. Sanam Ahmed, who was working in the ICU at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. They asked her to share her story about the work that the people were doing, but for, before she shared anything, she shared one thing that she said was the most important of all. She said, I want you all to know that we're holding your mom's hand. We're holding your dad's hand. We're holding your loved one's hand when you cannot be there. We're telling them in those hospital rooms that you love them even though you can't be there to tell them yourself. When she said that, tears came to my eyes because it reminded me of the love of God, the faithfulness of God that is with us in all of those difficult times in our lives, in those moments when we are hurting, in those moments when we're crying. It reminded me that even in those places like hospital rooms and waiting rooms where tears are shed, those tears are prayers that God hears. Or when tears are shed out on the street corner, or when tears are shed in homeless shelters, or when tears are shed in our own homes, when we're missing our loved ones, or we're hurting, or when we're despairing, God is right there with us, hearing those tears, hearing those laments, hearing that grief, and holding fast to us, because that is God's promise. God is not just the God of Easter, but God is the God of Good Friday too, with us in all of those difficult times. And so our calling, just like Thomas Chisholm and just like the poet who wrote Lamentations, our calling is to be a living reminder of that faithfulness to others. And now that's not an easy thing for us to do. Sometimes we would really like to fix the problems of the world. There are people out there trying to fix these problems right now. We would like to try to fix the problems of those people around us. But sometimes what we need the most, what heals our soul the most, is just to sing the blues just to have a good cry, to sit by someone's side and let them lean on our shoulders and cry. One of my favorite stories from my childhood was told by Ray White, the minister who baptized me. And I remember this story vividly, even as a child. He told the story of a hospital clown who loved to go to children's hospitals and try to cheer up the children who were there, to take their minds off of their illnesses and try to help them feel a little bit better. He would go in every day and tell little jokes or bring them little presents or toys. And one particular day, he decided to bring some bags of popcorn that he could share with the children there in the hospital, almost like a circus itself. And the kids loved it. They ate the popcorn, they loved the clown, they laughed. And for a few moments, their minds were taken away from the problems that they had. But he walked into one room of a little girl sitting in her bed, and she was just sitting there crying. And he tried to cheer her up, but there was really nothing that would cheer her up. No joke, no, no clown activity at all would, would cheer her up. She just sat there crying. So finally, he knew what she needed. He pulled a chair over beside her bed, and he pulled out that bag of popcorn and just sat down there beside her. And, 
As a tear came down her cheek, he took a piece of popcorn and he, he wiped that tear off and he popped it in his mouth and gobbled it up. And then he saw another tear and he took another piece of popcorn and, and wiped that tear off and gobbled it up. And as he sat there wiping away her tears, he started to cry as well. And so he took another piece of popcorn and, and wiped off one of his tears. And as he was about to eat it, he saw the little girl open her mouth. And so he popped that piece of popcorn in her mouth. And they sat there together, crying those tears, wiping them away and gobbling them up together. Because that's what she needed in that moment. She just needed someone to sit by her side, to cry with her, and to let her know that even in this moment of mourning, even in this moment of grief, she was not alone. That's what we're called to do. That's how we remind people of God's faithfulness that in times of grief, in times of despair, in times of mourning, in times of tears, they're not alone. And that all we need to do is sit by their side sometimes and just cry those tears with them so that they know they're not alone. And hopefully, in those moments, in those moments of tears and in those moments of sadness, just by being by their side, that reminder of God will give them strength. Strength for today. Bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings, all mine with 10,000 beside. Great is God's faithfulness. Thanks be to God. Amen.